0: On April the 29th, 1959, Robert S. Hartman, the founder of the science of axiology, sent a letter to the director of personnel at GE in Crotonville, New York. He had been working with General Electric executives, and he was impressing upon them that the most important thing that they could do with their employees was related to the attention they gave them. He called it intrinsic valuation. And he said, with intrinsic valuation, you will mobilize stores of latent energy and productive cooperation. He talks in this letter, and these are my words summarizing his words, but the, about the importance of appreciating the individuality and value of each person and to focus equally there as much as they focus on the actual structure or system of the business and the processes and procedures for the manufacturing plants. Today, we're going to talk about how to do more intrinsic evaluation, how to balance that out in your business and in your life. And we're going to give you a framework for really seeing, valuing, and understanding others. Can't wait to share it with you. Hit it,
1: Michael.
0: Hi, my name is Susie Price. I'm with Priceless Professional Development, and you are listening to the Wake Up Eager Workforce podcast, where we cover everything related to helping you and the employees in your organizations you work in and support activate their greatness and wake up eager. I am a professional facilitator, and I started Priceless Professional Development, a training and development company in 2004. We're experts in an assessment science called TriMetrics, and we help leaders and consultants use the science of TriMetrics to assist in creating a wake up bigger workforce. And so that means using the assessment science to make sure you're hiring a good fit throughout so that you have someone who is a good fit for the role. So using the science that way. And then throughout the life cycle of the employee, helping with onboarding so that you can better understand and value that individual employee, helping with leadership development to look at development areas and opportunities for growth and natural strings, helping when there's conflict resolution needed, when we have differences and we don't understand them, the assessment can give a framework for that. And a key tool is in team building. How can we better work together, understand our differences, leverage strengths, cover blind spots, one thing we do a lot of and we're doing even more of these days is training and certifying others, leaders and consultants inside and outside of organizations to become experts in this science. And our, something I love to do and that I'm doing through this podcast today is thought leadership. So sharing insights and information through our books, our blog and the podcast. One new thing around thought leadership that I started this year is the Wake Up Eager tips. And so I share them pretty much every week. If you can go see them at wakeupeager.com and I do it in the frame of Quick tips. Takes you five minutes to read it. And it's things I'm thinking about, things that are top of mind, things that I'm learning for myself around waking up eager. They're personal, they're professional. And I do it. The three tips are mind, body, spirit in the framework of Hartman's work, which was what he talks about as systemic, extrinsic, intrinsic, mind, body, spirit. And this past week, July 31st, some of the tips were for the mind. The headline is Three Dimensions. Are you over or under focused in one? of them for body grooving with red light therapy from Juve. This is a red light therapy light that I've been using that I think is cool. And I talk about that. And then for spirit being intrinsic, um, the headline is not guru approved, but working for me. So I talk a little bit about what I'm doing around the being part of my life. So check that out, com. Those are weekly Wake Up tips. I post them sometimes on LinkedIn when I have time and on our Facebook page and on Twitter. Our directory for all our podcast episodes can be found at com. There you will find uh, show notes, transcripts. You'll find timestamps like you will for this episode too if there's certain parts of the episode you want to make sure you go back to. You can either get the transcript or use the timestamp. And again, the directory can be found at Wake Up Eager Workforce. It's all one word, Wake Up Eager Workforce. I say it too fast sometimes. People go, huh? What did you say? WakeUpEagerWorkforce.com. There we go. So our title for today's podcast is How the Car Analogy and Science Can Help You Understand Others and Guide Performance. The show notes are at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash understanding others. If you want to go directly to that episode, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash understanding others. That's all one word, lowercase. This is another solo sode. Instead of an episode where I'm interviewing other people, I'm going to share insights and information with you as a training and development tool. Here are the four things that I'm excited to share with you. One is understanding others. How do you know if someone's weak in it and what a master looks like? Somebody's really mastered the skill. What are those behaviors that you'll see? How to determine expertise? How do I determine it in candidates and myself and employees? I'm going to give you seven interview questions to reveal a candidate or someone you're thinking about promoting in a people-facing type position. I'm gonna give you seven interview questions to reveal, help you discover their capacity in this area of understanding others and intrinsic valuation. And I'm also gonna give you coaching tools. I'm gonna give you a key model that you can use that ties to the assessment science. But even if you don't use the assessment science, it'll be helpful to you to help you think through, how do I think of the whole person? And I'm gonna give you five practical actions that can be taken, you can, they can be coaching exercises that you can use as a coach or consultant with others or for yourself. Now, I'm excited about this episode because it's diving into one of the key dimensions that make a, a critical make up a critical component of making great decisions. And so as we talked about, when Hartman was talking to GE, he was helping them see or wanting them to see, don't do just the thinking systemic part of the business and don't do the extrinsic only doing part of the business. Do not forget about the intrinsic feeling part. And that is the valuation of others. You're good at the thinking and doing. In some ways he's saying that, but don't forget about the power of being with people. And if there's an imbalance in different areas of our life, oftentimes we can go back to Hartman's framework of intrinsic, extrinsic, and systemic. They all have value. And then in his work, what he discovered is if we can get clarity and strength and how we think and focus in each one of those areas equally, then we are moving toward bringing the best of our thinking, the best of our clarity to everything we do. And um, Hartman hung around with Abraham Maslow, who talked about self-actualization. So these areas that Hartman talks about are areas that can be grown and developed. So this episode is going to be for you if you want to make better business decisions and making sure that you have the right balance between systemic, extrinsic and intrinsic. Sometimes in business, there's an unnatural overfocus on systemic and extrinsic. You know, I want to give a systemic answer to an intrinsic issue. So, this will help you tweak if you think maybe uh, we're a little bit overfocused on some of the other areas. If you're using the trimetric assessment and you want to better understand what it means when you or or someone who you work with or someone you're about to hire scored lower in the intrinsic area, the understanding and empathetic outlook area of the dimensional balance page graph. If you're not using trimetrics, but you just want to be a better coach, consultant, team member, and family member, I guarantee when we talk about the car analogy model and you think more about this area of the intrinsic evaluation, um, you're going to get benefit from it. You're going to be able to use the model that we're going to talk about and some of the coaching exercises to help people solve problems more effectively. And if you want to grow your ability to build rapport with others, your ability to uh, build customer focus skills and leadership skills, you'll benefit from this episode. Now, we are in a series um, around the Trimetrics assessment. I have tens of thousands of people who've completed trimetrics assessments with me, or they've been trained or certified through us. And so this series is about that. And it also is helpful, I hope, to others. So that's the goal here. The first part of this series was when I talked about the weaponizing of the DISC assessment, why it's wrong and what to do about it, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash weapon. This episode is about People not fully understanding others. They're using one tool, the DISC assessment, to make a judgment on someone or others, and they're not seeing the whole person. So hence the build today into this exercise or this episode uh, or solo-sode. The second in the series is Talent Insights Team Building Success, 10 plus 1 practical facilitation and debriefing tips. You can find those show notes at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Talent Insights. This is how do we use the science and some of the things we're going to talk about today just to help teams get better as a team, valuing diversity and everybody using their strengths. Again, the show notes for today are at pricelessprofessional.com, understanding others. Coming ahead in this series is interviews. Going to be talking to an expert researcher of Hartman's work, and we're going to talk about how he uses Hartman. We're going to talk with the person who trained me in Hartman. We're going to talk with a president of an organization that I partner with around assessments and their use of the Hartman tool and how we use Trimetrics to grow. I'm also going to do other episodes around each of the dimensions in the acumen part understanding others practical thinking systemic systems judgment so all the all of that will be coming as well so keep checking in at wakeabegaworkforce.com so let's talk about understanding others and let's get the definition and the definition is that is having the capacity to perceive and understand the feelings attitudes and individuality of others hartman's language the way he summed it up was intrinsically valuing others So intrinsically, I feel, I care, I be with others. I see who you are as a human. All right. If you're not good at this, you misread situations. You don't put yourself in other shoes. You've got poor listening skills. You miss clues and cues that people give you. And so we don't listen beyond the words. And so we don't always meet expectations because we've missed underlying information that is left unsaid because we haven't tuned into the individual. We can tend to have transactional relationships. And so people sometimes think, okay, this person really does not connect with me. Um, We can be seen as someone who's not fair because we make poor decisions because we leave out the, we don't put as much emphasis on the intrinsic part as we do the systemic and extrinsic, the system and the actual doing. And we can often be confused by others' actions. So look at that list of items there. And, um, See how you rate yourself. Do you have any of that? Is any of that going on? Or maybe somebody you're coaching or wanting to work with and better understand how they're doing in this area. Poor skills in understanding others impacts your ability to to inspire others to want to take action. So they say yes, because you have the authority, but they don't really want to work with you or they don't, they say yes, but they mean no. You can have a, we've all known leaders who had authority, but nobody really wanted to work with them or do what they wanted. It all came along begrudgingly. It can impact customer satisfaction. So people feel like it's a transaction and not, there's, the other person on the phone does not care, is not tuned in. Um, And we can get a reputation of being cold or abrupt or not interested. We don't risk for others. We're insensitive. We don't come through. You think about Maya Angelou and her quote, and you may have heard it. It's a favorite one of mine. I'll forget what you said. I'll forget what you did. But I'll never forget how you made me feel. Think about that. We try so hard. We spend so much time often trying to do the right thing, trying to say the right thing. At the end of the day, what people remember is how you made them feel. I see it over and over and over again. That was a big shift for me. I'm you know been in my business now 16 years and I think when I was learning about Hartman and learning, you know, about the power of intrinsically valuing people through Hartman's work and then her quote you know, people will forget what you said, forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And and then I get to talk to people and see where they're challenged with someone. And, and you know, I notice that people who tune into them and make them feel valued and appreciated, even if there's a disagreement, there's a lot smoother road than when you feel like someone did some of the things I just mentioned in regard to being poor in this skill of understanding others. People deserve to be seen and respected and they want it and they expect it. And if they don't get it, it will show up in their level of commitment to you, which is why Hartman was saying in his letter, if you do this, you're going to mobilize stores of latent energy and productive cooperation. If you do this thing, you value. So if you've mastered this See how you're doing. Rate yourself in these definitions or descriptions. You're balanced in your decision-making, so you have a good sense of timing and awareness. You not only make the right structural or systemic decision and you do all the actions, but you also take into account how the actions are going to directly and indirectly impact others. And with that awareness, you know how to take proactive steps to communicate and inform and get people on board. You listen attentively to feelings as well as the words You work to perceive the needs and wants of others. You try to see things from their perspective. You appreciate diversity. So you don't expect everybody to be, to communicate like you do, to act like you do, to have the background that you did. You start to appreciate the differences because you're intrinsically valuing who they are as a human. And because you tend to do that, you're strong in understanding others. You have strong personal and professional relationships. You take responsibility for learning about others. You try to understand others. If somebody's standoffish, you don't say, oh, well, they're standoffish. And if they work for you or with you, and it's important that you know them, you make the effort to understand what are their needs? What are their goals? How can I best communicate with them? How can I help them get to where they want to go? And that's one of the things that really touches me a lot of times. And it's really another key thing that's made my work more meaningful is I want to help people get to where they want to go. And so that's intrinsically valuing, not get to where I'm going, not so they be like me or so that they be like the business, the business goals come into account and definitely we're working towards those. But we also have to, if you want them to buy into the business goals, you got to buy into who they are and what they want first. So how do you know whether you're a master or you're somebody who needs work in this area? Well, there's the key way that we measure it in, if you're working with us, is you take the trimetrics assessment and you look at the axiology part, the acumen part, there's an actual measurement of understanding others. And in some assessments, it's called an uh, empathetic outlook, same definition. You can score on a score of zero to a hundred. This this part is measuring how you think and make decisions And the mean score out of all the population, the hundreds of thousands of people who have taken this assessment, we norm your data against it. The mean is 80. So it's pretty high. We have, you know, people that score 68% of the population scores on a score from zero to 100, 68 to 93. So if you're not, I'd consider depending on your goals, your role, and your willingness to take action. If you took the assessment and you scored at the mean or below, and you want to gain more benefit from this skill, you might want to look at developing it. If people score in the lower scores, the lowest score we ever show on the assessment is 40. If you score between 40 and 60, it's definitely a development area. There's some lack of clarity. Another place to think about is interpersonal skills, teamwork, customer focus, leadership, empathy. All of those areas and their scores give you some insight on your strength around intrinsic valuation or understanding others. You can also get feedback from people close to you around each of these areas, and you can also do a 360 feedback. You'll see some of the coaching actions that I'm going to share towards the end, but that those are some ways to the assessment, getting feedback from others, looking at these areas, uh, 360 feedback, all of that will help you better understand how strong you are and whether you're a master yet or if there's some more more work to be done in this area. We have for hiring, and you'll see it in the show notes at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash understanding others. We have interview questions that you can use to, if someone scores lower on understanding others, and I'm, I'm going to give you seven, but I'm going to read to you three. The objective, if you're interviewing others and you have a follow-up conversation after they've taken the assessment, is to ask the question and leverage silence. So ask the question and just take a deep breath. Press for specifics. Listen to the answers. Do the answers tell you that they value others, that they're a good listener? all the things we talked about, about mastery. Okay. So here's a couple examples of interview questions. Describe ways that you are able to show others you care about them, yet do not compromise the needs and requirements of the overall organization. So what you're looking for there is examples of them being able to balance the systemic, extrinsic, and intrinsic. Here's another good question. If we were to talk to past clients and past managers, how would they describe your listening skills? Would your past clients describe you as a good listener? What specific examples can you provide that demonstrate this? And the key there is, oh, yeah, they'd say I was a good listener. Give me an example. And when they give you one example and it seems a little, little soft or not rich in detail, ask for another or just ask, drill down, tell me more, drill down questions. Don't let it go. This is an important, especially if they're in a people-facing type role, and almost all roles are today. Um, we need high capacity in this area of understanding others and intrinsically valuing others. And then here's another question that I like for interviews or promotions internally. What do you do to understand a client or prospects or employees' behavior, motivations, and feelings? So if they give you a blank stare, they might not be doing it. If they struggle, it's okay because it's a tough question. Just be quiet. Leverage the silence. Let them think and then let them give you some examples. If you're good at this, you will have examples and they will come to mind. Okay, let's look at some development tools. First and foremost, to better understand a person, to intrinsically value them and perceive and understand who they are as an individual, you can learn from the five areas in our car analogy model. It's a car analogy. So the the giveaway here is it's going to give you five things that are related to cars that you can think through as a mind map around individuals. It'll help you listen more, learn more about others and assume less. And it's going to help you think about how others work and who they are more holistically with less judgment and more appreciation because you have a better understanding of the big picture. In the car analogy, The Department of Labor says that you should look at at least three views of an individual before making hiring decisions. So I like the car analogy in that it's encouraging you to use five views to learn about a person. And here they are. And I'll just give you the car language. Roads traveled. So that's one. Roads traveled, current location, and future destinations. So picture a map. Where have they been and where do they want to go? The second area is under the hood, horsepower. The third area is gas and tank. How much gas do they have in their tank and what is the gas they need in their tank? How they like to drive. And then the fifth area, garage where they're parked. You'll see all of this in the show notes. I've got a visual, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash understanding others. So all models are imperfect, but some can be very helpful. And this model has helped me and I think it will help you. And I'm going to show you how I would apply it to a person. We would apply it to George. He is a tech company executive. He's the founder of this technical company. This is years ago. The board asked me to get involved to help Greg continue to work with the company. Um, Greg had sold the company and they needed, the board needed Greg's engagement for two more years, but they were concerned because he was being a bit combative and at the same time lethargic, rotating back and forth. So in our coaching conversations, first off, before going into the conversation, I talked to the board and had them tell me what their goals and objectives were. So I needed a clarity there before I have a conversation with George. First, we better understood roads traveled, current location, and future destinations. So we think about the map in the car analogy. He had founded the company. He had stellar sales experience. That's his expertise. That's all of his experience. He's proud of that. Future destination. He has kids in high school, three are going to college. Soon, three kids in college, he was happy with the sale of the company, um, but future destination, he wants to continue to contribute and grow um, his goals where he wants to go. He wants wants to help the company make the transfer. He did say that, and it's financially feasible for him to do that because if they're successful, he makes more money. So we talked about that, and then he really wanted to figure out what he does next because he didn't want to just sit around. So that helped me understand where, where he's coming from and what he wants. Under the hood, on the acumen part, he had very strong thinking uh, skills around people, doing and visioning others, systemic, extrinsic, and intrinsic. He had low clarity around his roles, which makes sense. He had role confusion, so he had a low score there and felt negative about you know, his roles in his life and who he was and what his future was going to be. So that told me something. It wasn't surprising, but you could see it in the assessment. And when he saw it, it was a light bulb. It was like, Oh yeah, I really am feeling negative about all of this. I thought I was putting on a bright and sunny uh, disposition, but maybe I'm not. Um, and so that helped him and helped me understand where he was and what he needed. Gas and Tank, his motivators totally match what you see in top salespeople. Uh, his greatest interest is to take action. He loves return on investment and getting results. What you see in sales leaders, he scored passionate there. He loves leading and advancing. He really disliked, according to the assessment rules and process, he had never seen a rule he didn't want to break. And he didn't want to spend time every day focused on what's the rule, what's the process, what's the policy. Sounds like a founder of a company, right? They want to advance, right? Not deal with all the minutiae around the details. How does he like to drive? He His disc style was is direct, assertive. He's a risk taker. He's fast paced. He's independent by nature. And we talked a little bit about the culture and where he was parked. He talked about the new CEO that He's supposed to report to, which he wasn't doing a good job reporting to at the time. He didn't like how the new CEO was overfocused on structure and policy and the big company mindset, and he didn't. He expressed that he didn't really know where he fits and what to do every day. So, knowing where George's goals were and what the company's goals were helped us align and create a path forward for him to help everybody get what they were wanting. And using the model of the car analogy helped me be more thorough in our discussions and fully start to understand him. He also, through our discussions and through the assessments, felt like he was getting the attention and intrinsic valuing that he needed, which just the attention and the clarity of thinking through some of his results and the conversations and pulling it all together for him, uh, made him a much more receptive coachy, and much more receptive to help the company. So the first thing i said to the company was that they needed to clarify expectations. So I I mentioned that George scored low on role awareness, which means he's confused about his role, which was part of the Hartman work that explained to us that he didn't see clearly what his roles were. So their job was to go back and I helped them do it. What are his priorities? Uh, How are they going to be measured? So he had a dashboard, something I talk about all the time is having a job dashboard. So he could tell when he's on track and they could have conversations based on the dashboard on how he was doing or what he was not doing. So it helped keep him focused and helped him with momentum going forward. He liked seeing how strong he was in the acumen and the Hartman pieces uh, systemically, extrinsically, intrinsically. That helped him kind of gain his footing again, where he could see, hey, I scored strong in a lot of these capacities. I do have a lot to offer going forward. He was doubting himself a little bit, not at a, a deep angst, I don't know who I am way, but certainly going through change kind of way where you're no longer the The CEO and founder of your company, him understanding why their focus on process was making him crazy, where those were his words related to the gas and tank part, where he said, I am not interested in that. That is not what I want to do or be about. It just helped him understand that that's where the company needed to go, but that isn't his interest. So it helped him kind of settle into the changes that were being made and understanding that, you know, they weren't wrong. He's not wrong. It's just different parts of the business and things that need to happen and different strengths. We had some triad conversations between him and the new CEO so they could understand each other. We used something we have called a side-by-side report where they could see each other's communication style and motivators so they could understand, here's how we're going to work together over the next couple of years. Here's where we're similar. Here's where we're different. And it took numerous conversations and action planning to kind of help them resolve some of their... Natural tension, the tension was still there, but it was better because they started to understand each other better and value each other. So they got a better understanding of each other. Amazing how you can remove roadblocks just by this, this understanding. And then I mentioned when I started that George began to feel valued And kind of owned back his strengths and uh, did better energetically or energized wise because he started to have more hope for his future as he was both taking care of his obligations with the company and planning for his future. So that is an example of the car analogy model and how it was applied to someone. It helps you give individualized support. It helps as a coach or consultant or a leader when you understand these aspects. You may not formally in a coaching conversation like I did with George go through each area of the car analogy model, but if you're thinking about the car analogy model when you look at someone and not just zeroing in on one aspect, you can better understand who they are. You can better value them and respect them and feel good about them and express that good to them, which creates more buy-in. And I just believe that this car analogy model helps you be a better coach, colleague, and manager of the person. And you know, sometimes we'll take a view. It happens all the time with consultants and leaders, and we make erroneous conclusions. So When we weaponize the DISC assessment, and for George, for example, he's a high dominance and a high influence, which is talkative, assertive, direct. You might would say if you just saw his DISC assessment, you'd say you need to talk less and be less assertive. That's really not looking at him as a whole person. That's just one view. You don't see the whole view of what's under the hood, his horsepower and how clearly he sees people and, you know, what he's truly struggling with. So you never get to where he needs the most help and what's going to get his buy in. And so, you know, basically that's the car analogy, helping us think more holistically, help us understand ourselves and others. So I want to share the car analogy with you in another scenario. And this is a recent hire situation. So we are hiring, um, it was a CEO, it's a media company and they manage political campaigns and they're hiring a, the CEO needed a new right-hand person, a business manager, handle human resource policies and just handle a lot, a lot of the business when he's not there. And he was upset in regard to the fact it was a good problem to have. He had two great candidates. He didn't know how to choose. So we took them, took him through the car analogy model. And our goal when we're going through the model and when you're working with anyone who is hiring or hiring managers is you want to help them reduce the risk by making sure that you have a great fit to the role. Um, and help so that we want to have them gain a better understanding of each person to see where they match in the role and what the role needs. So. When we think of candidate A and candidate B, as I went through this with the hiring manager, we had, the, had both candidates take the trimetrics assessment. And now he and I are having a conversation, and I just used the car analogy as my mind map. And I said, okay, roads travel. Tell me a little bit about where they've been, where they are now, where they want to go. As he talked about those, both candidates were similar. Backgrounds were similar. Best he can tell about what their future goals were, seemed to match what the role needed. Under the hood, that's the horsepower. That's measured by the acumen. They both match the top seven personal skills that we figured out were required for mastery in the role. So they both were a match there. Where follow-up was gonna be for both of them. Candidate A had role, low role awareness, so some role confusion. So I gave him some questions to figure out, okay, what what has happening in the past that made this person not clear about their role and so that She's not replicating that in this new role. And then candidate B had a little bit lower score in leading others. It wasn't one of the top personal skills for the job, but it was a skill that was probably going to be important in the job. So we gave him some interview questions to follow up with candidate B to ask around that area. So what puts gas in their tank? Candidate A really, gas in tank is what drives you or your motivators. Candidate A loves to follow and enforce the process and wants to advance her position. She scored passionate in advancing and leading, being the master of the universe, her universe. So that's candidate A. Candidate B also, like candidate A, like to follow and enforce processes and rules, which is a good match for the role But candidate B was more interested in return and investment and serving others and definitely was not interested in advancing her position or being visible, you know, being out front. Doesn't mean she couldn't be out front, but that was not her top interest or what puts gas in her tank. How they like to drive. They both had a little bit different styles in how they communicate. Candidate A was very direct and assertive. Candidate B was friendly and amiable in their style. That's what you would see, you know, if they were driving down the road, that's how they would communicate and interact. And So where were they going to be parked? That's the conversation I had with the CEO. You know, what do you need and want? Who do you want to work with every day? What's going to work in the culture? Is it a directed, assertive personality that's leading, kind of being a CEO too, which is candidate A because her style and how she, gas and tank closely matched his, or is it a more low key behind the scenes type of personality, which was candidate B? So going through the car analogy model helped him think through these candidates and helped us discuss them together. And I had him go back and let's say, let's look at the top three priorities for success in the position. So what has to happen? Don't think about these people right now. But what kind of things have to happen if you only could pick three to five that down the road, you're going to say, this is this person's been successful. And then let's go back and look at these candidates, which ones best match their ability to meet those priorities. So we, fi- we provided him the follow-up interview questions. We had these discussions and he ended up going with candidate B. And the reason is she better matched the role. He really liked candidate A and he came to the realization that he really liked her because she was a lot like him. That is one of the interviewing and hiring mistakes uh, many of us make is, boy, I like her. She's just like me. But that's not really what he needed in this role. So far, it's working out really well. There's always a risk when you bring someone in, especially a high profile right hand help run the business um, person. Uh, but in this case, it's working out. He realized through kind of using the model that to understand others, to understand the value each person brought to the position, and then look at the position that Candidate B was better. So that's where we went. I want to give you another example coaching-wise of two people who were going through coaching in their leadership development, and I'll give it their backgrounds in the lens of the CAR analogy model. After I go through these, I'm going to give you some coaching exercises, and then we'll be wrapping it up. But I just kind of want to keep showing you how the model can help you understand people and their individuality and where their strengths are, where their development opportunities are, uh, where you might want to focus to help them the most, and how you can use the car analogy model just to to value and see the full person. So these are two supervisors. They were in the aviation business. I was working with a company. And when we talk about Bob, let's see, roads traveled. He was not from aviation background. Um, he did not have any pressing personal commitments. Like, so no family, no kids growing up, uh, lived by himself. So future destination. He was, um, roads traveled somewhat committed to the aviation business, but you know, didn't have a long history with it. He liked his job. Okay. And just didn't feel driven to achieve something specific in the role. He didn't really have a lot of future goals and he didn't have anything personally driving his goals. Under the hood, horsepower, we took the Hartman part of the assessment, the acumen, the axiology. He had one of the highest scores ever under the hood that I've ever seen all across the board. So his clarity of thinking, he was a very clear thinker. He had lots of capacity. Gas and tank. So I looked at that and I was like, oh, this is interesting that Bob scores so high. There's so much um, that he uh, is capable of doing. Gas and tank measures motivators. And for him, his motivators were very extreme. So they scored well above the rest of the population. So that made him sometimes not fit in, which I saw evidence of as I saw him interacting with uh, teammates and his boss. He was had a strong drive for knowledge. He was a bit of a philosophical type person. He was extreme there. And that was his strongest driver. He wanted to think and learn and analyze. He could be very curious, ask lots of questions. Uh, He was least interested in enforcing the processes and rules and the procedures that he could do it, but he didn't put gas in his tank to spend five days a week as a supervisor, making sure everybody followed all the rules. How did he like to drive? What was his communication style? He's very much analytical in his style. And he was very much, is it right? Is it accurate? Uh, reserved? Not necessarily warm and fuzzy. Think of Spock. You know, kind of there a, a, a wall in between you and him. And he's not talking until he's ready. He's very diplomatic often when he'd speak. But he could also be um, kind of direct and curt because he was usually correcting people because he could see their mistakes. Not only could he see their mistakes because he's a high C in his style, under the hood, he's a very clear horsepower. He's got strong horsepower. So he's like a Ferrari in the garage in regard to ability. But his interests were a bit of a challenge in regard to they didn't really match. It's not a philosophical role when you're a supervisor in the aviation company. So what we did to try to help him is we talked a little bit about helping him understand what puts gas in his tank and making sure that he's getting learning opportunities that he um signs up for anything that happens within the role that involves research and then as- actually making sure he gets that need met outside of work that thinking research get certifications you know doing technically oriented things in, in his private time And we also talked to him about how he drives his style and how he could manage his style to be more effective with his team and help him understand what he doesn't love, which is the process and procedure and help him understand that that's not his preferred interest but it is something he needs to do on the job and so he would understand that have less resistance around it he's not going to change what he's interested in but he did want to at least stay in the role and he had the ability to adapt and so he did he never became a top performer but he did improve his performance by using some of that targeted kind of understanding and coaching was a very interesting individual now we go to Frank, same company, aviation business, roads traveled in the car analogy current location of future destinations. Rose travel with Frank grew up in the aviation business. His family all of his family, they were in the military, they were in aviation, they were pilots. He loved being in aviation. He loved being a pilot. He loved the business. Uh, he has kids that are in school and he's hes wanting to provide for them and he wants to future destinations. He wants to shine like all the people in his uh, family and that he's around. Under the hood, his horsepower acumen, he scored low clarity, mid to low clarity in a lot of the areas and all of the personal skills. So if Bob was a Ferrari in how he thinks and what's under the hood horsepower wise, Frank was kind of like a 2010 Honda that runs pretty well. He had average scores. So his clarity of thinking, his capacity to get things done, he had to use a lot of energy. It didn't always come naturally to him. The thing that puts gas in his tank in the car analogy model uh, motivators he's driven he loves process and procedure and order and protocol so his drive matches the environment and matches what he has to do on the job every day so he's excited about what he's doing he also loves to lead and advance and wants to be out front that was another thing that came out and so the job really does match what puts gas in his tank so he takes action he's eager to be there Uh, How he likes to drive his communication style. He has a high eye style. If you know the disc assessment, he's positive. He expresses optimism. He loves the company and tells everybody. He enjoys his boss. He loves everything about the business. He had lots of pride about being there. And so while he has to apply more effort to get the job done because the horsepower and sometimes his performance can be inconsistent, he's a competent manager and he's well-liked. His people like him because he care. Growing his competency was the job for Frank. And what we did is looked at the top seven personal skills. So the under the hood part, there were seven personal skills that were needed for mastery in the role. And we picked up, prioritized them and helped him master Those areas get better at how he thinks and makes decisions around the personal skills that matter in the job. And he did get better. And he actually, uh, I don't know where he is today, but at the time I was working with them and familiar with their situation, he had grown. And while he was highly liked before, he was beginning to be more respected because his competency has grown. So two supervisors laying the car analogy over who they are and where they come from helps us understand them, helps us work with them and helps us customize coaching and support. And so you can tweak and grow in these areas, especially on the horsepower area, the gas and tank and how someone likes to drive their interests and their communication style, we don't necessarily change those, but we can. Bi- we don't want to change those. We don't want people to be different, but we can build awareness around them so that people know how to manage their strengths, manage their blind spots. It takes work and focus to to manage our strengths and our blind spots. It takes work and focus to build our horsepower. But the first step is we got to have awareness and we got to know where to pinpoint and make sure that we're doing targeted development. And the car analogy model and the science in the assessments can help us do that. And it gave both of these gentlemen an opportunity to perform in the role and be more effective. So why does all this matter? Well, what we want to do is we want to make good decisions about people. And that is the uh, Peter Drucker talks about this. He says, you know, the ability to make good decisions regarding people represents one of the last reliable sources of competitive advantage since very few organizations are very good at it. So Hartman knew that back in 1959 about if you value people so that you make good decisions About your people by getting their buy in and understanding who they are, you're gonna make better decisions. And so it's still true today. This understanding others, this intrinsically valuing others matters. I told you I was gonna give you some actions or coaching actions that you can take. These will be in the show notes, but here's a couple that you can use, and then we'll wrap it up. First, Focus on investigating another's perspective. So if I decide or want to be better at intrinsically valuing others, I actually had this situation where uh, we had a, a very... Solid executive who scored lower in this area on the assessment, and um, we had a conversation about it. And he said, "I know, I know, I, I get gigged about it." My wife tells me all the time that I don't, I don't think about others like I should. And so we kind of laughed about it, and you know, gave him some tools. He never really did much with it until one day he had a conversation with an employee, a valued employee, somebody he wanted to stay. And he said, "You know, she was telling me about personal situation that she had, and I didn't offer." ask a lot of questions. I didn't tune in. Uh, maybe I could or could not have done more, but I could have at least done a better job of listening because I know today that she left um, and I needed her because I didn't tune into that person. I didn't value enough. So this idea of understanding others and valuing who they are and the power of that, like Maya Angelou talks about, I'll forget what you said, I will forget what you did, but I'll never forget how you made me feel matters. And he wasn't ready to really look at that. Until he had a situation that really hit home. Like, oh, I knew in the moment that I was making a mistake. And darn it, if I didn't, a couple of days later, she left. And I wonder if I had tuned in more or tried to value her more, uh, have her feel more understood if she would have stayed. So what are some actions I can take? And so these are for, this is for this gentleman and for you or anyone that you're working with. Focus on the first one is, Make a focus on understanding others' perspectives. So simple things. Ask open-ended questions in every conversation you have. If someone disagrees with you instead of debating it, ask questions. How did you get to that? Get curious. Get like a journalist and say, okay, how did you get to this decision? So practice listening there. Um, if someone complains about work instead of uh, and that, that's what this gentleman was talking, this executive was talking about. She was having a complaint or a problem. Ask about what challenges they're having. Write them down. Try to brainstorm with them. Try to understand solutions or ideas that they have and help them come with ideas and solutions. Next, uh, make a commitment to improve. Track how often you do these things. So every week make a list of these items and then see how well you're doing them. One, you could find a person you'd like to understand better and have a casual lunch. And your goal during the lunch is to not talk about yourself, but ask them open-ended questions and really practice listening, understanding from their point of view. It'd be great to do that with your employees. You know, tell me how you're doing. How can I help you? Get out from behind your desk, sit with people, double the number of times you you paraphrase what someone has told you. We have some listening aggressively skills that we talk about. And one of them is to reflect, which is restate what you've heard. Do more of that. To ask someone who is in meetings with you to count how many times you interrupt. Take time to have informal chats with people. Practice listening. Don't start talking about yourself. Practice asking them questions and saying, how are you? What's going on? What you've been working on lately? How's your family? Show genuine interest and be present. Listen. Count how many times you allow somebody to disagree with you without trying to defend your point of view. Keep track of open-ended questions you ask during the day. Practice the simple things. Please and thank you every time you ask somebody to do something. Uh, Give a public thank you to someone who's helped you. So lots of lots of simple things there, but it's the way simple things add value is if you say, I'm going to work on this and I'm going to track it and make a little sheet, you know, where you track it and then have somebody help you with it or you show it to somebody, your coach. If you want to improve existing relationships, so maybe you think uh, in that situation with the executive, mm, I don't know that I've really been valuing my team or you're the GE executives that Hartman was talking to. Okay, we need to do a better job of valuing people. Create a list of the people you work with and then create a little table and then evaluate your relationship on a scale of one to five. What's, you know, what's the best? What's the worst? Set some goals with these people. What do I, where do you want it to go? List positive aspects of these people. Remind yourself of what is good. Some actions you can take. Listen. And when you're giving feedback, three to one, think about, do I give three positives for every one course correction or am I giving 10 course corrections and no positives? Look at that ratio. Use assessments. Use the DISC and the Talent Insights Assessment. Um, Use the workshop or the podcast we just did on the Talent Insights Assessment. Do that with your team so that you can start to understand what's their style, what's their drivers, how can we adapt to each other, how can I adapt to them, how can I help them get to where they want to go. Another tool that we use quite a bit is to to use Feed Forward as a way to get Feedback. Feed forward is a future focused way. I have a sheet that describes all the steps, but basically what you do is you get insight from others. It could be direct reports, peers, colleagues, people you report to, and you ask them for feedback. And I'll give you the details on if you go to the show notes, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash understanding others. I'll give you details on how you do this. But basically you pick a behavior you most want to change, and perhaps it's this one. I want to get better at valuing others, at understanding others. What suggestions do you have? for me. So basically the, the goal is you go in there with a notepad and you ask questions. You don't debate any of their suggestions. You take notes and you think through, how can I get better at this? It's a powerful, humbling tool, humbling in the best kind of way. You'll build relationships and you can close some of the challenges of the, of the past by humbly asking for feedback and then putting everybody on notice. Hey, I'm working on this. So those are some coaching tools. We've talked about today the importance of understanding others. And uh, if you're low in it or if you've mastered it, what it looks like, how to determine how strong you are in this skill. I've given you some examples, hiring examples, coaching examples. I've gone through the car analogy model and how to use that. That to me, that's the main coaching tool for understanding others so that we think more holistically. Uh, We've got interview questions for you, seven of them, and actions that you can take in addition to using the car analogy um, that you can share their coaching little activities. Everything is on our show notes at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash understanding others. So Hartman, when he was talking to GE and talking about Make sure you give them attention, intrinsically valuing them. He was referencing or he referenced in his notes to the director of personnel an experiment called the Hawthorne Experiment. It was conducted in the 1920s and they took factory workers and they'd taken them out of the factory and they did experiments. So they tried, okay, I'm going to give you better working conditions and they checked productivity. Then they would make the working conditions worse and they checked productivity. And guess what? Productivity increased both times. Better conditions, worse conditions. For these factory workers in this study, the productivity increased. So then they went back to the drawing board and then they said, okay, we're going to do more rest periods. We're going to do a mid-morning lunch and we're going to shorten the work week. Productivity increased. Then they did none of that. They took the rest periods away. Didn't shorten the work week. Productivity increased. So no matter what they did productivity increased. So why is that? And I think it relates to what Hartman was saying in 1959 when he says, the most important thing is the attention you give your employees. Intrinsic valuation will mobilize stores of latent energy and productive cooperation. So in that odd study in the 1920s, of course, that was a long time ago, but the factory workers, what they concluded was the factory workers increased productivity because they were getting the attention. There was attention on them. Even if they didn't love everything that was happening, they were feeling valued. And so it released energy and cooperation. And that's been what we've all that we've talked about today. And that's what intrinsically valuing is. So today, go forth and... Use the tools that we've shared here. Use the car analogy to see the whole person. And remember, they'll forget what you said and they'll forget what you did, but they will never forget how you make them feel. And that is to intrinsically value a person. And when you're busy and you're pressed and you got a million and a hundred million things to do, don't leave that part out of the puzzle and don't believe that it's a waste of time. It's real, it's valuable, and it creates a lot of meaning. And so you'll get more done and not, you don't do it just to get more done. You'll get more done. It will also create more meaning in your life and in their life with everybody you interact with. So our next episode is going to be with Hartman researcher, Cliff Hurst. I'm excited to share that with you. We're going to talk about, he teaches entrepreneurship and social entrepreneurship at both the MBA and undergraduate levels at Westminster College. And he's implementing a minor in entrepreneurship at the college, and he works with the social impact incubator. He's a Hartman expert. He's the vice president of research at the Hartman Institute. He's the editor of the Annual Journal of Formal Axiology. Great heart. You'll see he has a great balance of intrinsic, extrinsic, and systemic in the interview. I've gotten to know him through I've joined the board at the Hartman Institute this year, and I wanted to um, introduce you to him and some of the things that he talks about help us understand the work that the trimetrics assessment is based upon, especially Hartman's work, and he's passionate about it. So I can't wait to share that with you next. I also want to mention that we have a conference in uh, Salt Lake City. It is sponsored by Dr. Cliff Hurst and Westminster College. It's in Salt Lake City, Utah. I will be there doing a small little breakout session, and there's uh, information on our website. If you go to the thehartmaninstitute.org, You'll see conference information. It's October the 23rd and 24th. And it's all going to be about You know, changing the world for better through the understanding of the science of values so the understanding of Hartman's work so we'd love to have you there or have you find out more about that you can find the link in our show notes for today's episode understanding others pricelessprofessional.com forward slash understanding others also when you go to our show notes there have been other podcasts that we've talked about listening we've talked about trimetrics we've talked about um, so much of what we've talked about is also referenced in other podcasts so we'll put links to those in the show notes as well. If you have ideas or thoughts or want to connect with me in any way, I'd love to hear from you. Pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Susie S-U-Z-I-E. Thank you for being a listener and a colleague, and we'll see you at the next episode. Take care.